What's gonna be my fine at that judge? What's gonna be my fine 21 years on the Rocky Mountain line? It takes a worried man to sing a worried song. It takes a worried man to sing a worried song. Worried now, but I won't be worried long. Train pulled out, 21 coaches long. Train pulled out, 21 coaches long. And the woman I love on that train and gone. It takes a worried man to sing a worried song. It takes a worried man to sing a worried song. Worried now, but I won't be worried long. 21 years, pay my awful crime. 21 years, pay my awful crime. 21 years, and I've still got 99. Takes a worried man to sing a worried song. Takes a worried man to sing a worried song. I'm worried now, but I won't be worried.
Yeah, it's been Bug House Square. It's uh, it's a pleasure um, to do this. Uh, try to make it a good good week. Uh, try to do the best you can. Um, try to uh, try to try. Yeah, I've been kind of. Uh, I've kind of uh There we go.
Hare Bhakti Naam Diyo 
Welcome to the Common Thread Collective here at MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val, sitting here with Diamond Dave. Hi, Diamond Dave. Hey, Babel. So good to be here. It's a rainy day in San Francisco. It is. Well, wherever you happen to be, take a look out the window or even walk outside. Babe, it's a rainy day in San Francisco, but the sun is going to be coming out soon. So good to be here. We have a brother named Lorenzo McKeezy. Hey, Lorenzo. He's going to be playing the accordion. He's already. We're going to start with. We're going to. We're going to begin with, of course, Bloodflower, and then Lorenzo, and then we're going to come. He's also an author, and he's in high school, and we're going to have a conversation. If all that's all right, I'm looking forward to it. So let's take it away, Bloodflower. I like. I like Lorenzo's hat too. Oh yeah, stylish. Here we go. Pardon me.
Thank you. Yeah. Happy Birdflower. Uh, and Evel, we're now accordion. That was kind of a pre-accordion uh, kind of music, too. It was. It was a preclude to an accordion with that melodica. And here would be Lorenzo on the accordion. He's going to do a couple songs, and then we're going to have a conversation. Yeah, and Lorenzo, Lorenzo is, uh, like we said, Dave, he's in high school still. He's a senior this year, um, but... Uh, uh, a young man of many talents. So I know he's been playing the accordion since he was 10 um, and then started playing around, or since he was seven, pardon me, uh, and uh, started playing around North Beach restaurants and clubs as a kid. So um, it's a real treat to have him in here today. And um, so, Lorenzo, uh, welcome to Mutiny Radio. And I bet he's also a science fiction fan. <laughs> We're talking about it. I see one of his. Welcome. If you go ahead and take it away.
Hey, Lorenzo, we take your accordion off, leave it on the stage, and then come in here because we're also going to tell you he's a many fascinated human being. One, one is being a public author, and we talk about his books, plus, 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 plus. Have you seen? It's a beautiful book. I know. I mean, okay, so so I first um, became aware of Lorenzo uh, Lucchese when I, I opened up the SI Genesis Quarterly Magazine because he and I, well, he currently attends the same high school that I graduated from uh, a few years ago. And um, he had been featured, and, and I said, well, now this is an interesting young person so um, it was really I, I said I would love to have him come on to the show and then um, happened to just run into him actually the, the night of the mayoral election I was I was I believe I was wearing my kind of um, Uncle Sam hat uh, running around to the various uh, election parties and and there you were standing outside of the bar because you're not 21 yet um, for Angela Aliotto's um, election night party and I said I know who you are and here we are finally here at Mutiny Radio. Lorenzo, welcome. Thank you Val. I'm glad to be on the show. Glad to have run into you that very spontaneous night at Miss Aliotto's party. <laughs> well spontaneity is the way it works if you're open to it. That's one of my core beliefs that it's that everything is indeed connected. So it's good to see you Lorenzo. Hey what was it? What were the two numbers uh, you just played? Well, the first one was a song called Luce Ombre. It was originally a French composition, but was gradually incorporated into Italian music. Um, the idea is light and shadow, so you'll notice there's a lot of scales going up and down the keyboard, so those are supposed to be representative. Just so you can envision shadows going down a sidewalk, and it's supposed to be a very melodic, French, very impassionate nice. tune, love song almost. And the second song I played was... It was a medley of two classic Italian songs, emblematic of San Francisco's North Beach, where I spent um, most of, well, a lot of my life since I grew up in the Excelsior, but spent a lot of time playing down there. Uh, o Marie was a, a song loved by many, and a, a, an older Italian woman, I'll say. And, and also La Mio is, is, a, is a favorite. That was one of my first big tip earners when I was still little, making the ones, five, ten dollar bills, walking around the streets of North Beach at the age of seven. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. I know. I, I was listening to you, and I felt like I was, you know, sitting on the, the edge of the Arno or something, or, you know, or in a little French cafe, perhaps in Paris. Um, so thank you for, for bringing all of that musicality here uh, to Mutiny Radio and into our community space. But those restaurants in North Beach. I believe I know the ones you mean. The Italian restaurants in North Beach, which have been uh, many have been around for many many years. You know, uh -huh. I first got there in 1957, so that's a long time ago. So to be part of what soon we were called the Beatniks. So I was really interested in, uh, in the book that you wrote, uh, called the North Beach Story. Why don't you let's begin? Tell me and tell us a bit about that, and how you you, uh, you overheard the stories. Tell me more. Tell me more about this book got together. Well, well, my accordion and my writing careers, if you want, like to call it that. Um, they've been they're very intertwined with each other. So I first started going up there at the age of seven because my godfather, who owned the late Cafe Puccini, Puccini uh, okay. due to a, a fire recently, has been unfortunately closed down. But it's, mm. it was been there since the 1970s so I grew up going to North Beach a lot and and naturally as I was up there and and after I'd stop playing sit down for a cup of coffee you'd meet what are known as well at least the remainder of the beat generation uh, people Diamond Dave's age 
um, uh, people who knew maybe perhaps knew Jack Kerouac or Allen Ginsberg personally. And overhearing the stories, I decided to craft that little novella. Well, I'm looking forward to reading it because you got to remember because my memories. And of course, I was there, and it was Herb Kane, who was a columnist for the for the Chronicle, way back that everybody would read. And he invented this thing called three dots, uh, three dots journalism, where he'd have a line or two and then three dots, and I'd write about something totally different. And he was the one who first began calling him this beatniks. That was 1957. Now, your dad's here. Hey, Dad. Hello, Dave. No. Hello, Val. Welcome, uh, Franco. So it's been a freewheeling conversation. <laughs> jump in. But, but you began to hear there, because I'd like to respond to that, that there had been some kind of verbal battles or face-off between the indigenous Italian population. Of course, it was, that was right across Broadway and Columbus from Chinatown. Which was, which was originally Italian, and then the comings of the beats, and it, did you hear that there was conflict? And I'd like to read this, uh, tell us, give us your own picture of the story as you read it. Well, to give you the, the whole story on, on, on what's known as can it be my first novella, The Battle for North Beach, and my only novella thus far, about about 100 pages, extremely easy read. And I'm in the spirit of Herb Cain. There, there is um, quite, a, quite a lot of humor in there. And one of, the, one of the beginnings of my idea to craft this book came out with, you know, you see a lot of the older, you know, beatniks, older poets especially, you know, one cup of coffee, and, and they're known for taking up table space for three hours. Well, that's what the triestas were. <laughs> it, it was. No, and I'm guilty of that, too. Well, I hope but, so. Uh, that's right. And, and that, was the, that was the beginning conflict in, in the battle for North Beach, which was that the, it was the Italian restaurateurs versus the beatniks. And it was, you know, these two opposing forces, because one is so much more traditional and conservative than the other. And one is, of course, these people who have come from all across the country to gather in this one place. And, of course, it's exaggerated because there really wasn't a battle for North Beach. Um, perhaps there was a symbolic battle, but certainly not a physical one. And the protagonist in that story, um, it came from... It's a story based on this man who came from Iowa, so like many of the B generations wanting to escape. Uh, Minnesota, in my case. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So, so, so you know it. Uh, it's the quintessential beat story. You just said it. You know, someone. I had my thumb out. <laughs> someone, you know, wants to escape. You know, whatever side to tells them they want to be, and they come out to North Beach, and you know, of course, there's some influences like drugs and alcohol and stuff, but it's ultimately a quest for identity, and it's from this perspective of one of these guys who's beginning to get old in North Beach society, and he's taking up the uh, the life and rituals of a of an older San Franciscan, and now he's he's witnessing this conflict go on, you know, and in flames between the North Beach and North Beach is ultimately burned down in the end of this book. Again, you can take that metaphorically, but it's a, it's an insight. It's um, the best imagination of an imaginated San Francisco era gone by. <laughs> wow. And, and that was your first book, a novella, as you called it. Yeah, at, at, age, at age 11. At age 11. <laughs> Good. So, this is, so we, did you grow up? Did your dad, your mom help you, encourage you to become a big reader? Was reading what you did a good share of your, when you were playing and learning to play the... Oh, well, re reading was certainly critical. critical. But, but, you know, it was, 
It was both of my parents. You know, my teacher had always said, you know, eventually when you're older, someday you'll be playing gigs sometime. And I always figured that was when maybe I was 30, 40 years old. But when I was 10, you know, 11, I, I got invited by a restaurant tour up in North Beach. His name was, he was, he was the former owner of Frankino Restaurant on Columbus, right next to Mona Lisa Restaurant. Mm. He has unfortunately left us. But that was the beginning of my career. My dad said, you, you know, you should form a Yelp page. And now through the years, I find myself two to three times a week, especially for the October fest season going all across the bay area and um and with the books too with the with the books too he gave me a lot of support and gave me some ideas and but you know he was the one who encouraged me i had to go get a u.s copyright get an isbn and kind of navigate the process myself Wow, and so you're self-printed out there, but you can be, can be found in, through Amazon, is that right? Yeah, through Amazon and other mediums, such oh, as I, have a lot of books. I, I sell it at, you know, Dog-Eared Books in the Mission, Adobe Bookstore over Adobe, on 24th Street, I believe I have some over at Folio, uh, the Beat Museum, of course, oh, and yeah. uh, still working on, on getting it over to City Lights, but um, of course they're on Amazon, and occasionally during the June Book Fair at Cafe Trieste, that's the most, that's wow. the that's where I'm most easily accessible. Well, you'd be an amazing human being. Now this is this latest, which is over. Well, you, this is you're working. You're working on your fourth one, your fourth book. Uh, but you've you've written you've written three and and then some so far. So um, the battle for North Beach, uh, which we were just talking about, and then. Um, this one that we have in our hands called Diarrhea of a Black Man, um, <laughs> co-authored by Lorenzo here um, and Bradley Haynes. What is this? Th- so this is a relationship that, that, that you've met um, th- this man and worked together to, to put this book together to tell his story, yes? That's correct. <laughs> tell us a little bit about this man and, and, and how you um, came to um, befriend him in such a way. Uh, well, like most of my uh, people that I encounter, like even you, Val, it was really, really just that spontaneous moment. I, I met him at the Cafe Trieste. Um, uh, that was one night, St. Patrick's Day of March. And I, um, he was in front of the Cafe Trieste. I had just put my accordion down and he said, I say, yes, he said, where's the party? <laughs> and that was kind of our opening line. And, you know, I had some family who had lived in the Midwest a long time ago, so I was really curious about Detroit, Chicago, Milwaukee history. So I had read up about that, and we had, had managed to have a fairly nice conversation about So I kind of understood some elements of what he grew up in. And so... I jokingly said, semi-jokingly, I suppose, looking back in retrospect, that I should write your biography. (laughs) (laughs) And two weeks later, I sent him an email. I said, Bradley, you know, meet me at the Cafe Trieste. And I said, we'll we'll see what happens. And I was a little, (laughs) I played played around with him a little bit because we sat at the table where Coppola had written The Godfather. (laughs) And I said, we're at a table with a long literary legacy. (laughs) And I said, hopefully we can follow through with that tradition. So what he would do is every weekend or whenever he was writing on Bart to get to work, he would he would send me recordings, MP3 recordings of a little bit of his life, and of course we made a mod- modifications here and there, nothing too big, mostly changing other people's names to protect their privacy. But it's a really interesting story because there's not written from this, not not much written from this perspective about this particular time in Midwest history. And g- give us a little synopsis of. Um why his story is so, uh, you know, compelling. Let me, let me, before you do, I'm going to do a couple of sentences. Oh, good. And you go from there. Detroit's Northwest Side. Began working at the Detroit Park and Rec 
the Ford Assembly Plant, of course, Detroit, and Michigan Bell. He's always been a recording artist, a sous line chef, a hippie, a truck driver, a casino worker, a drug dealer, a psychotechnic, a computer security expert, a network system administrator, and project designer. Spent time in Susansville State Penitentiary. I have friends who are there witnessing attacks and murder. So you summed all of this up, eh? This is the paragraph that you helped sum up what it already been. That's correct. So you had to say, you had to do a little bit of research in all of these various things so you could ask intelligent questions. Well, well so many of some of these quite exotic professions, um, you know, I did, especially as he went into information technology, and that was the resurrection of his life. That's where he's at now, living over in the East, residing in the East Bay. Um, but, you know, a lot of research was involved because I incorporated a lot of history. And well, it wasn't just biography. I wanted to explain to the readers exactly what was going on during that time. And of course, he has some powerful anecdotes to back some of that history up. Uh, but there was a lot of explanations I had to do, a lot of definitions and parentheses, and kind of help people understand exactly what was going on in this man's life. And what was his take on it? Once he, he said, here it is, here it is, he's in the manuscript, here it is, uh, Bradley, what do you think? And then he, he, he did a little writing in between, in between the lines, and it came together. That's amazing, brother, and you're a high school student. Well, <laughs> uh, you, you probably get that a lot. <laughs> I, look at I imagine. Uh, 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 Which way camera again? <laughs> this will be good. Go ahead, brother. I think Dave's asking about, you know, um, kind of the, the once it got towards the end and, and you had this manuscript in hand, like giving, you know, now now Bradley has it in his hand. And well, it's kind of interesting. You know, I can invite some, uh, some of your listeners to think about what if you have your entire life story written in 250 pages? Of course, there must be a lot going through your mind. But I had a lot of people say, um, through, you know, my, my style of writing is a little more historical. History is one of my favorite genres. Again, we can go back to the Battle of North Beach alternate history, alternate historical fiction. And um, I got a lot of people who said it sounded like it was told from the diction of an old black minister in the South because of its writing style. Mm -hmm. But he said, you know, it's interesting. You look back at your life and you see it's finally told in story form and you don't really think about it that way when you're wow. growing up. You know, it's a day-to-day -day basis. You're in first person. But now you have someone who's taking your life from you. What a blessing. <laughs> of course. Don't take that too far. Um, <laughs> Not literally. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Science fiction. But in a beautiful literary way. Well, yeah. we'd like to hear some of it. I'm sure that a vast uh, company of listeners out there would say, let them read some. So do you have a particular spot you'd like to read? Oh, sure. Your choice. I was just reading a paragraph or two. I was catching you. Well, I, we do have a quote in the back of the book, which if one of some of your listeners do buy it, they can see that's at the very top. Uh, I had my cover artist. He wrote this line. It takes more than luck to stay alive. Mm, <laughs> but, uh, but, this, but the quote in the back is taken directly out of the book. Um, I'll go ahead and read it before I perform some analysis. The dilemma at hand wasn't merely physical. It was a life's worth of emotions that were pouring out of his frail, frigid body, which lay baking on the ground beneath the warmish 
Michigan sun. His unshaven beard rubbed up against the warm sidewalk while his forehead lay dripping with the last bits of sweat which would ever be seen out of Mr. Jenkins. His hand, legs, and feet were the stillest, most serene I'd ever seen them. His lack of movement brought out a peaceful calmness which I had never seen anyone in, not even my father who would sit quietly composing his music. I knew that he was in a better place. The day Ronald Michael and I came into Motown Liquors to buy some canned food and steal a shopping cart, I couldn't help but notice the pain and humdrumness which filled every vein of Mr. Jen Mr. Jenkins' body. His facial muscles were not composed of tissues or capillaries, instead pain, distress, and sadness. His death had been in the making for years, but as he prepared himself for heaven, his store rated itself to be another open, empty lot, which would become one of thousands in, in Detroit, Michigan. Wow, empty lots, Detroit, Michigan, whole neighborhoods emptied out. He alluded to it. Well, that's some writing, brother. And what did Bradley think when he read that? He must have been had his mind blown in a good way. <laughs> what? Uh, well, 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 certainly some of his family members. I mean, there are a few details in the book which we kind of had to change. Well, uh, we won't go into those right now. Exactly. But his, of course, his family was thinking uh, kind of that same reaction when you say, "Oh wow, you're a millionaire. Where's the money?" That's <laughs> 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 uh, so, uh, mostly jokes like that. But his family was very proud. You know, his mother always told them two things: uh, one is to build the house and to write a book. Uh, those were, I, you know, in his tradition, he was members of the Black Masons, Prince Hall Freemasons. Um, those were two key, you know, elements of his life that he had to fulfill. And hmm. as, in his words, we've done one of those things, which is write the book. Wow. And, and now please, you're going to help him build the house. Yeah, I, I guess. Uh, well, we'll, 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 burn, we'll burn that bridge when we get there. Okay, we'll build that uh, house when we get there. Build that house when we get there. Nice, Dave. Uh, nice. I did that sometimes. Good bridge. Good old man. Well, look, that's so amazing. So you plan, I have a couple, so what do you think now? You're about to graduate high school this year, is that right? That's correct, in, in June. And where, where do you go again? I go to St. Ignatius College Preparatory. Uh, Val here is an alumni as well, and as well as my father, so 75% of this room. That's right. And that's right across the road from, uh, from City College. No, oh, it's one? it's down on Sunset Boulevard. It's down the hill. Okay. Yeah, it's well, out. So it's over there. It's in. Let's go west. Well, Palin, the <laughs> city college. Right. But now Palin is now Frida Kahlo. Did you see that? They did change the name but to Frida Kahlo Way. Frida Kahlo. If you, if you, if you want to send a letter to city, to city College, say, I'm thinking about going there, whatever, I, I'm interested in this. It's, on, it's not in Phelan any longer. It's now called Frida Kahlo. Well, it's speaking to a, a, a great um, forward thinking on the behalf of San Francisco and looking to celebrate artists as we do here at Mutiny Radio. Um, I want to talk for, if, if we may, to Please. about your other book, um, the book that, you know, I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is a book I wanted to write, um, American Advent. So, you, did you, so American Advent, you went and actually interviewed people around the country during or people from around the country, at least, during the 2016 election to kind of investigate some of the divisions that we were seeing. How did you write this book? What was that all about? Yeah, well, a after I had was finished writing The Battle for North Beach, you know, I was idle for a while trying to put together some sort of draft of something, and there, there was really not, not a ton going on at that time that really was very, <laughs> that gave me a lot of inspiration for those years between the ages of 11 and 16. Um, so, you know, I stayed in school, good thing. <laughs> and then the 2016 presidential election uh, came around, and, you know, there's a... Th that that kind of that created an America that you know you know we're still dealing with today and 
it's changed the lives of a lot of people, needless to say. And uh, I had a lot of encouragement from my mother. That's that's right. I had a lot of encouragement from from my mother for this certain this particular this project in particular because she encouraged me to reach out to people and says, you know, there's there's all these segments of the country. You know, there really is no one definition of America. Uh, you know, you should go out there and explore it. So, you know, a lot of I had a lot of tons of encouragement from her, and I um, and I began this project. So, what I would do is, um, there's a lot of the comment sections of Facebook posts where um, uh, have become notorious for people strangers complaining with each other, <laughs> which is ludicrous. <laughs> um, but in those articles, let's say I liked a, a certain senator's page from any state, I'd look through the comments, and there'd be people there expressing their opinion. So what I would do is I would message them, and I'd say, you know, would would you be bold enough to share your opinions with me? And you know, I I change your name, but I I would tell your story. Um, how should wow. I say, in, in third-person point of view. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's a collection of roughly 12 stories from each hour of Election Day, counting down different sentiments all across the country. Wow. Gathered from people from a variety of professions, variety of backgrounds, all weaved together to produce uh, you know, an outcome that was, wasn't believed by many. So, and the archives of this is available somehow. You kept all that, all the letters you got, all the emails you got, all the people answered who reached out to you because you reached out generally to them. That's correct. Um, <laughs> well, you know, of course, I had to ask permission. Uh, Love it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, no, but it was very fun. I mean, I, I had so many different people. One was a head of a car a car cruiser club in Little Rock, Arkansas, who had known Bill Clinton personally. And he lived only two blocks away from Bill Clinton's home when he was a, the attorney general of the state of Arkansas. Another guy I had was a retired German lawyer in Milwaukee. Um, farmer in New Mexico and Las Vegas, wow. not not Las Vegas, Nevada, Las Vegas, New Mexico, like Paris, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had a photographer who lived in rural western Pennsylvania. Wow. And it, it, so many different perspectives all put together. And sometimes, you know, you attach your own feelings to a candidate and a win for someone might win a loss for someone else and it, it may not even make any sense at all. Hmm. Well, I, well, I, I want to get a copy of American Advent. Wow. And well, I, I, so I know that all of your books are available on Amazon, but then um, is this one also in some local bookstores too? Yeah, that one you can also find at, at Dog-Eared Books, and I believe Adobe should have uh, a, a few things on hand. Yeah, but but, but Amazon too, of course. Um, uh, the books have ended up at various bookstores throughout the city. Those are just good. two I can name, but they're but they're scattered good. out throughout San Francisco. Sir. Now you're holding skills. You're holding some skills doing this. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sure you open mouth how you put the advent together, and the people you found. Now we're heading for. I'm saying the perspective of my age, what's going to be politically one of some of the most interesting times that is America's yet see. The possibility that I'm a president, and here's what you, you my line, I say uh, Trump, and I've been said this months before he was elected. I said, Trump, you've heard me say that, Bill, I think he's going from the White House to the jailhouse. <laughs> and here we live that time when that could well happen. And using these skills... That you've honed, that you've honed writing the advent. I suggest you keep close to your keep close to your chest. 
send right in and see what can evolve out of these interesting times of you, a high school senior, of you, a high school senior, now looking forward, looking ahead at the, these generations ahead of you <coughs> to see what could be, what's, what's going to come out. Is that something? Have you thought of that? Is that something you would consider, maybe? Well, well I know, I know you, you're, you know, you're alluding to a lot of activity that's been going on at the top level of this country. But what American Advent really, oh, yeah. really focused on was, yeah, exactly. What, what's going on right here? I mean, who are the people who sign their pens and cast their ballots? Mm-hmm. You know, who's who that changes, that makes a swing state what a swing state is? You know, obviously, it was a great learning experience for me. Well, you're learning. And uh, yeah, and, and you're learning, and uh, this will be emer- so be emerging, and there's so many social skills, social media skills you have that you can begin to reach out, and I'd like to see the ad- advent, the new beginning, <laughs> volume two. Well, well, the, the the advent, the advent in the title American Advent, a title created by myself and my mother, again who provide a lot of support, which is, you know, it's it alludes to the, the time of the the succession of poll closings. So first you have Indiana, then Kentucky, then you have Florida, wow. Virginia, and they go down. So the advent is each and every successive hour, leading to a significant event. Oh, I thought the spiritual mm-hmm. political sense, but now I get it literally. Well, this is, uh, so the second advent coming up with your mom and your dad and you. If your mom listening, you can say, hey, mom, how's it going? <laughs> I can say, hi, mom, and say whatever you like here. This is free speech, free speech. Hi, mom. Uh, oh, hi, mom. Yeah, I, I know you're listening from home. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hey, mom. Thank you for everything. I know you're... <laughs> Val's waving over to you from over here in the Mission District, over to the Excelsior. Uh, well, you know, thank you for everything. You're, you're, you know, you're you're the reason I'm up here today, and the reason why I've, you know, excelled. You know, it takes more than instructors in school. It takes a good, it takes a good family household, as as a lot of us will tell us. Well, I can feel it, brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember, this is podcast. I don't know if you this uh, podcast too. This means that shortly after we finish this, you gotta go this, and the show's over, this will be on, and you can listen to yourself. You can go to mutinyradio.fm. Yeah, and right into the podcast archive, and you'll find us there. Our show you're listening to is Common Thread Collective. Um, So, I know we're making you do a lot of work today, so you already went to a full day of school. But but this it seems like we have a great opportunity to kind of review a lot of a lot of your the body of work at least that we're talking about today. So you you've done um, you've done uh, historical fiction with the Battle for North Beach. Mm-hmm. You've done uh, biography uh, you know, biographical narrative um, with uh, diarrhea of a black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've done American Advent where it's similar uh, of reaching out and using taking other people people's voices but then writing about uh these people's voices and now you've been working on a, a, a non-fiction book about coney island uh, of staten island which staten they're right island. next door to i'm each sorry other. I, I, island I, is I'm, I'm showing my californianess <laughs> right now borough. staten island it, forgive it, it, me it's a stone's throw away across, okay. across you can actually see it from staten thank island. you for making me feel better about that uh, oh yeah <laughs> um, go ahead tell us about it well the the idea began with um I had always wanted to write a nonfiction, you know, piece of literature, 
And I, um, what happened was, you know, I was in school and I was inspired because in, in schools nowadays they have what's called the, the advanced placement, the AP curriculum. And what it is, is it's the history of the Americas from a little bit before, from the American Revolution all the way till the 1990s. And, you know, these, you know, the college board expects teachers to cover this within a year. Uh, so there, you know, that, as you can imagine, that really doesn't allow much time to go in detail into everything. Right. So I saw something, a project like this, didn't know what it was yet, uh, to fulfill that, that niche I saw for chronicling really specific parts of the United States. And... Um, I had heard about Staten Island before. Okay. It has the largest concentration of Italian Americans in the United States, about 250,000 Italian Americans. That's like that's a little over a quarter of San Francisco. You can imagine all, all Italians. And um, so, I, you know, I, I like to use Google Maps. And for some reason, I was hovering around there looking at different oh, town man. names, thought it was really beautiful. And one day I said to myself, well, maybe this is something to explore. Excuse me. And little by little, you know, I, I had to call cold call people. Maybe I read about them in a newspaper article. They were featured in a little radio station wow. like like Mutiny Radio over here in San Francisco. Maybe someone had written a book about their family and I saw them in it. I began making the first calls. Uh, word of mouth, uh, more sophisticated techniques, started reaching out to people on Facebook <laughs> like I had for American Advent. So I had a little bit of experience with outreach, community outreach. And I, I, I've gathered this whole story, and it's told from Native Islanders. We have a lot of politicians in the book, uh, activists, you know, from edu people who want education reform, restaurateurs, uh, business owners, and everyday people who've even moved away to the sunnier shores of, let's say, Florida or, or New Jersey. So it's a whole story weaved in one from personal testimony like American wow. Advent, mixed in with history because no one has attempted to write this, this kind of book about Staten Island, so it's really taken me hours looking on the archives, trying to dig up information and kind of piecemealing everything together. Did you spend any time in, uh, in Staten Island? I spent a week. A week? <laughs> for the summertime. And you know, I, I had never been there before. Wow. And, this, and so when I went finally... Welcome went, to the streets of Staten Island. Why would you want to go to Staten Island? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, because he, he pretty well answered that. He answered that. This is Mutiny Radio, so we do have a peanut gallery. So uh, it's all part—it's all part of the fun. <laughs> he did answer that pretty much. Well, go ahead, brother. Tell us. Because uh, I saw a lot of the pictures yeah, from yeah. from your trip to Staten Island because you and, and your dad went. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I so dragged him along. <laughs> but it, 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 it was a one-week extravaganza. I met with a lot of the people who I interviewed, and you know I would get maybe six of us together for breakfast, lunch, or dinner at any one time. Just people who maybe they knew each other maybe they didn't and we'd all gather around the table and we'd tell and they would, they, they would they would tell their stories about growing up and you know it you know, people like to talk about little Italy's in America. I mean, Staten Island in the 1940s was Italy. So it brings us back to the the origins of Neapolitan life on the island. You look at, you know, most of the signs were in Italian. A lot of the pioneers were in Italian. Um, of course, the telephone was invented on Staten Island by an, by an Italian who was expatriated there from Italy. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's so now, now. So this has been coming together. It's as much as come. Do you have a bunch of loose, loosely folders? You have a study in some place where you do your writing. 
some place where like we have a study we have like loosely formed folders <laughs> and newspaper articles and sketch words and well, paragraphs well it, and, it, it, we want to find how organic your process yeah your be. process yeah well, well it's organized quite in, in the beatnik fashion <laughs> oh, um you know i i, I would take notes take notes on paper and pen you know people are talking you know at rapid pace so you, you have to jot down <laughs> you know usually in about a week i can do four to five interviews and they usually take about two hours on the phone of course i sort through you know what's what stands out from those interviews that i put in the book mm-hmm. although i make a promise to everyone that they are going to be going into the book you know i want to honor their families and i want to like i said i want to try and be as specific as possible so basically what the book's about is it starts with some of the origins because staten island was notable for being susceptible to development. A lot of developers wanted to come in, uh, build their shopping malls, and build uh, kind of what Saramani looks like in its surrounding community. Um, but there's a whole area of the northern shore which was like yeah. pretty much like a quaint little Italian village, especially some of the beach colonies like where Catholic activist Dorothy Day lived there. Dorothy and, Day? Yeah. <laughs> that was the, uh, the Catholic worker. That's, that's uh, the... Okay, go ahead. She she had a summer bungalow actually in a Spanish an, anarchist her. colony on well, Staten Island. Left, went to Greenwich Village, where she where she joined the anarchist communist anarchists and so on. Met him, began putting up the Catholic worker, and uh, putting people up Christie Street, and. Uh, uh, and I think that's really interesting. You should have her, that you're going to have her in your book, Dorothy Day. Yeah, she's got a page and a half mixed in with the Spanish anarchist vegetarian society. Oh, that's, where, that's where she resided on Staten Island. And she, she was living life all the bohemian, actually, in Greenwich Village before she, of course, she converted to God. But, but that's, only one, that's one of many stories in, in, this, in this whole collection of really powerful narratives. So you're going to have photographs, too? Oh yeah, I'm planning on putting in lots of photographs, and it's it's going to be, uh, you know, at least to my standard, somewhat professional because I'll be adding in an index and, you know, bibliography, and the cover's already pretty much done. Uh, the, I guess I can spoil the title: Staten Island, like it or not. Wow. <laughs> That's a great sassy title. Very I frank. Like how, Bur- how Borough Five kept its soul alive. That, That's the subtitle. Oh, That's wow. what they call now long-form nonfiction. Is what they call. Hey, Lorenzo, what's it called? Long, long-form non-fiction. And when I'm thinking, what I want to say, and say, oh, but wow, look who's here, is I'm going to see an article. Let's see if we put this uh, pencil seeds now. This would be mind-blowing. That you have an article from your book of Staten Island, people can, uh, in the New York, New Yorker magazine. Let's see if we can step up that far. You read the New Yorker, see they have their own style, long-form non-fiction, and see what, uh, and, uh, an interesting New Yorker style story about Staten Island for the New Yorker would be amazing. And it'll be first in the long line of, of New York canonical literature. Canonical literature. Canonical, my yeah, goodness. There's you know books about Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, thousands and thousands of books. Perfect. Staten Island, maybe you're talking about five books, not even that. Interesting. Uh, most of them are older, you know, books of family, really reference books. So this is mm-hmm. this is going to be something that's going to be narrative. Con- con- yeah, ex- exactly. Long-form nonfiction, narrative, wowzy. Well, you're biting off a hell of a lot. You're an amazing human being. And you're going to take this, and now it's time. These books, you well, it's solid. It's got published. It's solid published itself, and they're beautiful. But so this book, you can really begin to shop around and see if you can find a publisher who'd be interested in a book by a young fellow such as you, or a fellow such as you, or a human being such as you. 
What's up, world? We're listening to Muni Radio right now, live on the air. My name is The Archivist. Right now, it's uh, normally Old Soul Radio, but uh, they're not here tonight. So I'm going to start my show early and get things moving. I got a lot of music that I always never seem to play everything I want to play every show. So got a little more time tonight so i think i'm gonna get to everything we want to play we're gonna go all over the map we got some new hip-hop we got new rock soul jazz a little bit of everything right now we're gonna bring it back to 1982 with some sonic youth right here this is the final hour on muni radio He's standing by the door. He's 
Ocean. 